Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast for November 15th, 2010. Every once in a while, one of those shows comes to town that just just grabbed me and grabbed the audiences so much that, that it was more than just a musical. It was sort of a, an art piece, that, a really heartfelt show. And that's why I decided to devote this podcast to the two creative geniuses to put this show together. The show I'm referring to is The Story of My Life, being produced by a Muse, Chicago Muse Theater at Victory Gardens. And I'm delighted to have the music and lyric uh, composer, Neil Bartram. Hello, Neil. Hello. Hey, Tom. And the book writer, Brian Hill. Hello, Brian. Hi. Let me, uh, let me ask you guys, carry us through the creative process. How did this show come about? I know that's an open question, kind of the, the background and the history of it. Yeah, well, we, uh, this is Neil speaking, we had a, um, we wanted to write something that was going to be a small piece that, that um, was about a friendship. And we actually started to write about a friendship between a man and a woman. And uh, this is going back when we first had the idea for this and we started dabbling with it. This is going back probably about eight or nine years. And uh, and we started writing that, and uh, it just kept hitting a brick wall and a dead end. And we were and we put it we put it away, and then we bring it out again and try it again. And and it just we even tried a reading of it like that, and it just it just didn't really come to life for us. And then we thought, well, what can we do to really shake it up? And like, what would be just something completely different? And we said, well, what if we made it a friendship about? We also felt like a friendship between two women had been mined a lot before. You and mean a man and a woman? Well, a man and a woman, yes, but also oh, two two women as and well. Two women, yeah, I agree with you. I agree, uh, yeah. but not with two men. And we were when we started t- talking about that, and and also the friendships that we'd had growing up, it suddenly started to spark some interest in that. That was kind of some dramatic fodder that hadn't yet been um, mine. Well, all of a sudden, when when you look at a, a male friendship, it 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 suddenly came with all those boundaries that that t- tend to exist between uh, two men in a friendship. And suddenly we had conflict, suddenly we, we had, uh, y- you know, hurdles for these two characters to get over in expressing their, their love for each other. So it felt, it felt dramatic. And, and so that we, when we made that change, it suddenly came to life for us. And uh, so th- then, a pr- this is going back probably maybe four years uh, I was uh, in New York working on at the BMI Writer Showcase, uh, Writers Workshop, and uh, presenting uh, material from that. And uh, they had a master class where somebody, like a legitimate, uh, established person, comes in and and listens to a couple of projects, a, a substantial amount of them. And Richard Maltby and David Shire came in and did uh, one. And it was basically a half hour segment of one show followed by a half hour segment of another show. And um, and Richard listened to it, and he he had a lot to say at the time, and was really really helpful. But um, afterwards, he wrote to BMI and said, "Can I get those guys' emails addressed? I I can't really shake this show. I it really it really uh, struck something with me. I'd love to contact them about my thoughts." And he wrote us uh, an email talking about what he liked about it, where he thought we were going with it. Um, where he thought we might uh, be improved the direction it was going and so on. And really, he, he kind of hit the nail on the head of what we had always wanted the piece to be. And it was super helpful. Anyway, th- that was kind of the end of our relationship with Richard at that time. But that was encouraging, wasn't it? 
oh my god, incredibly encouraging to have yeah. somebody with his history and his stature and his his talent and and mind responding to what was basically a, a handful of songs and a handful of scenes and to completely understand exactly the direction we wanted to go in was was ridiculously encouraging yeah i mean and he was an, of course an idol of of mine and i love richard and david's writing uh, they're they're just it's just really smart um writing and really they're, they're just brilliant craftspeople they know what they're doing they really do and and so to get that kind of thumbs up from somebody like richard was a was a real uh was a lot of wind in our sails but um we we kind of moved on from that and that was that was it with richard as far as we we knew um and then we ended up getting was that when we went to back to toronto i think it was no because we did the nant songwriter showcase the year we knew we were going to Toronto to do the production. Yeah, so the next step was that we got a regional production in Toronto of it, uh, which starred Brent Carver, um, who's well known for doing Kiss of Spider-Woman on Broadway, mm -hmm. and uh, another actor named Jeffrey Kuhn. They did it. And uh, we did, again, it was a, a great production, everything like that, but we learned a ton more about it, and it, it ended up getting some interest then from people in New York. Then we ended up going to this festival called the National Alliance for Music Theater. It's sort of an invited thing where they do eight projects a year. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm familiar with. It. They do some. They discover some great stuff there. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, talking about other uh, things that had come down from Canada, with Drowsy Chaperone, mm -hmm. kind of got its launching uh, there as well. And so we were fortunate enough to get a chance to present material from the, the show there. And um, and then it it really kind of took off because the people just took a lot of interest in the piece and, and really connected with it. Well, let me ask you this question. Early on, I mean, uh, Brian, you're the book writer. That's and right. Neil, you wrote the music and the lyrics. But they blend yep. together so much. Talk, talk to us a little bit about the, the process of you guys working together. Because I've read a lot about what all the greats have done in the past. You know, some of them. Like uh, uh, Larry or um, Jerome Kern wouldn't change it. a note of music. If you're the lyricist, you make it work, and he just wouldn't change. You know, you hear those stories. Well, first of all, we take that as a huge compliment because we we work hard to make it sound like one voice. We think it's important to blend from scene to song as seamlessly as possible. It's probably the thing we work the hardest on. Like I'll go. We I think the one thing that makes our collaboration work at all is that we we don't work together all the time in the same room like i'll go away and write a song this is neil speaking i'll go write and, and write a song and then kind of present it to brian and then he'll go write a scene or something and present it to me but the time that we do spend together is the time that makes that dovetail in a way that feels like uh one organically leads into the next without feeling well like you, you certainly accomplished that oh, the show i saw tuesday yeah, it definitely did and what do you think that chemistry is? I think it's just knowing each other really, really, really well. We've known each other since 1996. We met as actors in a in the Canadian, first Forever Canadian Plaid. production of Forever Plaid. And we've just, I mean, doing that show, you live in each other's pockets. And we did that show for four years together. So we just, we know each other incredibly well. And, and I'm sure you can sense that we probably sound the same, too, <laughs> on the radio. Well, now that explains what you said you were in uh, Forever Plaid. <laughs> yes. How We've been blending the, ever since. How much of the actor, you know, actor singer, uh, do you guys consciously or subconsciously bring to to writing of a work like this? All of it. I mean, I, honestly, I think having a history as an actor is a big part of what helps you feel what what feels dramatically usable. I mean, we 
with this show in particular, since it's a story about two men, you know, we would be able to do early backers auditions and presentations with just the two of us doing it because we just have that ability. But um, it also, because we've been on that side of it, you get a sense of what really feels good in your voice and what feels good to, to, to deliver. And um, I think having a background as an actor is a huge plus. Yeah, and, and I think more playwrights, even if they're not good actors, ought to learn a lot about acting just, just so they get a feel for what works on stage. Absolutely. Because I see these disconnect a lot. You know, and there's a lot of creative, you know, uh, world premieres going on in Chicago, you know, especially in our storefront scene. And so many of them just don't, you know, you know if the, the, the writers just didn't have a feel for what works on stage. A lot of times they're writing screenplays or something else, you know. Frankly, I think anybody anybody in the theater needs to dabble in a little bit of everything in order for it all to come together. We both have backgrounds as directors and music directors. We're both musicians. We both sing. We both act. And and all of it comes into play when when we're writing. All of it is useful. We can tap into all of it. But you did. You, but smartly, you guys decided not to star in your own show. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? That may happen someday. But no, no, it was a good so. idea. Well, tell us how you cast the show because I, I want to get into what it's you know what it's about. But we're, but I'm I'm setting this up because I rarely get a chance to get you know to get two people who can work together and produce a product like you guys have and you know pick your brains apart. Because a lot of our uh, uh, listeners are, are theater people and and they just love to hear this kind of stuff. Great casting the show. It's a tricky show to cast. It may it it seems easy on paper. You need two guys between you know thirty five and forty five, um, but they have to be really good actors. They have to be really good singers. Yeah, challenging. They have to be able to blend. They have to be singers who sing conversationally. The songs are written in such a way that they're not they're not all big standalone songs. They they weave in and out of dialogue. They have to be able to maneuver those things. So it's a it's a tricky thing to cast. Yeah, Tom, it's the it's the acting through the songs that's the the key element I think in in the thing because we we try to think of the thing uh, the piece as a a play almost. It just happens to be a lot of it is sung, and so you need actors that can really communicate while they're singing. And 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 some some actors are geniuses at standing and delivering like a showstopper, but that's not what this show is about. So it, it's tricky. When we're auditioning for the for for this show, um, we tend to spend a lot of time with the guys and and mit, and try different combinations of people together just to try and get the right, you know, the, just the right mix. Well, in this production, I, what I think works so well is is like Jack Noseworthy is such a terrific singer and a strong actor, and then Davis Duffield. I hope I'm saying his name right. Yeah, uh, yeah, is a comic, very strong actor, and deliberately not as strong a singer, but strong enough. Yeah, I mean uh, Davis is a great communicator through through singing. I like I I love the way he. He embodies the character um, in the songs. I think he's he's terrific. In the yeah, you certainly you never get a sense that that he's stopping and and presenting a song. He's always it's the same voice throughout, which is yeah. really wonderful. Yeah, he's... And I think in terms of the two the two the differences between the, the two J- Jack and the character of Thomas that he plays are kind of pulled together. That's that's what they are. And and um, Alvin and Davis. I hope you wouldn't mind me saying this. Are a bit rumpled and a bit uh, frayed around the edges, and that. It, it works in a great counterpoint to the characters. Yeah, and I think 
to have, for example, to have two strong characters or two strong singers kind of doesn't work. I, I've seen two two-person shows where, where both of them, whether it's male or female, they sound alike. Mm. And, and yeah. you, you just don't get the difference. Yeah. And that's another thing I wanted to say about the casting. Not only do you need two guys who can act and sing and do it all, then you need to be, two, you need to find two vastly different energies, uh, and two different energies that work well together. So it's, it's really tricky. You yeah. need, you need somebody who can play Thomas and do all that he needs to do. Somebody who can play Alvin and do all he needs to well, do. Well, how did you arrive at these two guys? Did you have these guys? Because, uh, you know, we're, they're new here in Chicago. I've never seen them in anything. Uh, we did auditions both in Chicago and New York, and they they kind of rose to the top. That was it was really just a question of like who who and it's not it's not even so much as rising to the top. That's not an accurate way of saying it. It's more like what what really clicked, like what combination of 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 the guys that we saw so many great people, and and that's the thing is like Chicago is an amazing resource for, for and we weren't completely familiar with the Chicago uh, community, but boy, a lot of great people, a lot of great people in shows that we saw that we, we thought, oh man, they'd be great in this show, but they're booked already. I mean, that's all the amazing people in Chicago have, uh, you have so many great productions going on right now. It's, uh, well, you know what I've always said, if you're going to bring in out of towners, you took in a show here with, uh, with so many good actors, you better bring in two real kick-ass top performers. <laughs> and that's what you guys did. Right. Nice to hear. But now, how much do you guys get involved with casting? I mean, you with, with you have a top director, yet it's your yeah. product. You know, talk about that a little bit. I mean, we we're as involved as we're allowed to be, really. I mean, the, the, it was great that uh, uh, Sean Cerconi, the producer at Chicago Muse, and Richard um, asked us to be involved. You know, we'll always throw in our two cents if we're asked to, um, and uh, and and we like kind of getting to know the guys that that are going to do the show too. I mean, you can imagine the, the, the show, the way it is, it's a, it's, it's very personal to us. It's, it's, it's like, we, we feel very strongly about it. It's a very special show. Um, you know, and so if, if, when you bequeath it to these guys to do it, you want to make sure you're giving it over to good custodians. And, uh, and so it's nice to be involved just so we can feel that. Yeah. And, and, and you guys understand the creative process that, that one or two people, a show doesn't make, you know, there's lots of other people like, I thought the music direction of Roberta Duchek did a great job. Musically, I love the show. Yeah, I'm, this is this is Neil speaking, the composer, and I couldn't imagine a better person to to oversee that. Roberta's got great sensitivity. She did a lovely job with it. Um, She's also a great singer, by the way. I, I've heard. I, I mean, we, she we, gave us her, her her jazz CD, and it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. She's just a, and then just a terrific girl, like really great spirit. And that's another thing too. You know, you're talking about the people that are behind behind the scenes that work on something like this. It's just so nice to have such a great, nice group of people um, here. Especially on such a small show, it's a, it's a very small family, very intimate, and and it's great to have a, a room full of people who like each other. All right, now that we've like hyped it, let's go into a little more detail of what the show is about. For those people that are that are uh, interested now, and they're saying, hmm, "I wonder if it's worth uh, me going to see the show." It tracks a thirty-year friendship. It starts off with the one character, Thomas, played by Jack Noseworthy, uh, sitting down to write the eulogy for his best friend of thirty years, and he is struggling and struggling and struggling to find the right words, and he is suddenly confronted by his best friend, the one who has passed away, who tells him, dude, write what you know. It's it, write, write our story together and you will figure it out. 
and through the a series of stories uh, that that they and memories that they keep pulling up, we learn basically how they met, what happened to their friendship, what happened to the relationship, and eventually about uh, the estrangement that happened over the years. Yeah, just and, to add to what Brian was saying too, when we getting back to that initial impulse that talk that got us to writing this show, we wanted to. Talk, want to talk about those people in your life that make um, a nudge in your life or influence you in a way that you don't necessarily know at the time, but that in retrospect you can see how that, oh, that person said that to me then, and I didn't realize that that sent me in this direction or it made me make this decision. And so when we started to figure out how that might work well in a dramatic context, the idea of doing it in a eulogy where you are actually tracking back through someone's life. And ostensibly, in this case, Thomas, the one delivering the eulogy, is supposedly learning about Alvin's life, his friend. But I think he learns just about as much about himself and his yeah. influence that Alvin had on him. That was a great hook uh, early uh, to, to get hook us in it. Because as you guys know, so many musicals fail because that opening song or the, the, the opening sets the premise and the promise to the audience. And if you hook them, you can take them anywhere. We, we completely agree, and, and we hope we do it. Yeah. It's actually one of the revisions we made for the Chicago production um, was that we, we changed around the beginning a little bit so that we could really, we wanted to really get into the story quickly and kind of hook people like you suggested. Yeah, and, and as it went around, the, the opening night reaction of the audience, you know, and I'm skeptical of opening nights because some productions, you know, they pad it with their friends and they overlaugh. And you know, you, you guys have been to openings. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. and it just doesn't. You know, they laugh before the the punchline and all that. But this show, there, there, the the little pauses that were there, you can hear a pin drop. You're well, that's right. I think you're right. That's that, uh, that's where you could tell because it's the yeah you're right. People can manufacture laughs and and. And that kind of reaction, but it's the it's the stillness that I think this show gets, which I think you can't. And no um, coughing—that's another sign. Yeah, if there's a good. lot of coughing, they're not buying it. It took right. me years to figure that one out, and I didn't hear a <laughs> call. And there's plenty of colds going around. Uh, and then the 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 tears at the end. Yeah, yeah. We, we we hope we're moving people with this. We really do, and and people seem to respond to it. Yet you guys avoided. Uh, being sappy, sentimental, which I, which I guess maybe I'm a little cynical, but I, I hate a little bit of it's fine. But you know, when it gets like a Hallmark greeting card, you know, you guys avoided that. Well, I think a lot, a lot of credit goes to the actors too. I think they, you can easily um, with material like this, but uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's a danger zone. You don't want to go there if you can avoid it. Yeah, like Neil says, you, you want to, you want to walk a fine line. Um, between sentimentality and and irony, and I hope we're walking somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about some of the songs now. Again, I like the the difficulty of doing the what I call talk songs, the kind of the William Finn, Stephen Sondheim sort of influence. Uh, you guys handle it so beautifully, and then as the songs develop, they became more songs than more, you know. Uh, talking dialogue. You know, you guys made those smooth moves, and then you created some couple of really strong songs. That butterfly song was wow. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I like that one too. That's uh, and Jack does an amazing job of it. It sounds fantastic in the show. Yeah, 
but uh, but tell us how you is that how much of that is the actors and how much of that is is you know written into it. Well, the the idea. I feel like I'm talking about Brian. Jump in anytime you want to. <laughs> now, you're, now you're talking about music. Oh, so. yeah. Um, so the the idea of the show, kind of early on, what we tried to do was to um, to to grab kind of moments or uh, basically stories of a life, it, and that's kind of where the sh- the name of the show came from too. So um, whenever we would just like say, well, we want to talk about the way these characters met. Um, and then they met in first grade, and they had the same teacher, and the teacher was really sensitive to the fact that they were both sort of mis- misfits and introduced them. And, and so it's you just sort of take the idea of what that is, and then it was my job as a songwriter to, to create a song that made sense out of that. And, and so throughout the whole piece, you're basically looking at, well, what is the story of this event in their lives, and then make it kind of a self-contained, satisfying story unto itself, yeah, and I think you definitely accomplished it. And uh, Neil, I must compliment you on the lyrics. And that's okay. what everyone was saying. It's one of the strongest lyrical. Again, one of the traps of these kind of shows can be uh, the, the dialogue is good. And then when they go into the songs, they go so much for a rhyme or a pattern, and then the, the lyrics are like, huh? They don't work. You know, they they come up there. They come off silly at a moment they shouldn't be, or something like that. You guys, you, you, you totally avoided that. And, and Brian, how much did you have to do as the book writer when you make these transitions in the lyrics? Were, do you guys work together that way, or how does that work? We definitely work uh, together, weaving the the two things together. And sometimes I'll write a, a scene or a monologue and hand it over to Neil, and he'll he'll take elements of that and expand it into his own his own song. Or sometimes vice versa, Neil will write a song and I'll then take it and weave dialogue throughout. Um, it's, it's that kind of process. It's a give and take. I think, yeah. honestly, like, I, I get a lot of um, credit for the songwriting, but, but I think Brian's the unsung hero in a way. And in most relationship with a book writer will, like this, a book writer will provide fodder for the songwriter, and uh, Brian does that for me too. And also... Yeah, like I said, sometimes I'll write the the song and just say I feel like it needs something in between these two verses to to contextualize it or to take the character here, and then he has to write that, but it has to fit into the song so it feels like completely like it was always there. It's a real give and take. But um, I don't know I, if you, I, I don't I don't know if you guys realize that that uh, the way you've made this seem so work so well uh, seamlessly. Did you come close to an operetta? And I think that's a compliment. Although. Folks, don't take it wrong. It's not the fat lady singing. This is this is powerful <laughs> stuff. Well, I think I, I think you're right, but I, I, the the neat thing about it is I think it's all the story is coming at you, and sometimes they're singing and sometimes they're not. And I think eventually, it's it, I think you basically lose track of it. All you're doing is getting story come at you, and 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 hopefully that's the way it is. I don't, you, you'll notice that we've only got what four. Times when songs actually are written for applause. That's that's how seamless we wanted this thing to be, and how much of a play we wanted it to, to feel like. Yeah, yeah, and and it worked. It certainly worked. Now, musically, uh, Neil, let me ask you this: the some of the underscoring, like you had some clarinet and some oboe work, that kind of underscored some of the poignant uh, parts of the dialogue, and that was almost a uh, a film technique that, that I thought really worked well. 
Yeah, it's it's one of my things that I love, and and anybody that whatever show I've done, I I tend to write a lot of underscore, um, and and it's tricky because you're right, it is like writing for film, but you're doing it backwards, so the actors are actually playing on top of um, underscore, and so I think um, sometimes I drive actors a little crazy, but I say you know if you can if you can time it out so this all works over this music, I feel like it'll all support itself, and and um, and, and I do, I, I write very, a lot of music throughout the show because I feel like it's, you know, you're in a musical. It's, it's part of that world. But thank it. God it's not all the same, you know, notes over and over again, which I've seen in, in shows of this type, you know, two-person shows, which is uh, so difficult to do, not only for the players, but for everybody involved. And I can't give enough credit to uh, the, the two actors. They're on stage for, what, almost 100 minutes? Yeah, yeah and they never leave. It's, Neither it's of them. a marathon for both of them. Yeah, I didn't even notice water on the stage. Here. No, I didn't even notice anything. I don't know. I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah, and and interesting set with the books piled to the ceiling. I know. Yeah, it, we're, it, we're excited by that look. It's really cool. Well, you know, that's one of the other themes that we that we haven't talked about. Uh, obviously, the show is the story of when they say story of my life, the story of both lives. Yeah, but it's also a story about the creative process and about books and about writing and. And, uh, you know, who, who's the muse and who's the, the scribe here? Yeah, Talk Thomas, about the, Thomas, the character who's trying to write the eulogy, is, is a very successful author who has, has fallen into a time when he finds he's finding it more and more difficult to write not only this eulogy, but everything. Um, and throughout the course of the evening and in reinvestigating these, these stories of their lives together, he starts to come he starts to see the influence that his friend had on not only his life, but his career, um, his, his creative process, his artistic voice, and all of that. He learns that, that the two of them were much closely related on every level than he even knew at the time. Yeah, yeah I think every writer has a debt to their history and the people that they, they the relationships that they've had. And, and I think in the course of this story, Thomas had probably dismissed that, but then re-acknowledges it through the, the going through their lives together. And every great writer I've talked to, and, and a lot of them acknowledge in the, you know, in the, the preface of a, of a book about, uh, you know, whose story, they, that they got the story from someone else. Sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, their job was the scribe, you know, and to maybe, you know, embellish on it, but the idea didn't necessarily come from them. That's it, and and it's not to say that the, the the actual chronicling of the story isn't a talent and art unto itself. But there's also something about that person or that event that that was your inspiration that deserves acknowledgement as well. And, and that's kind of you're right. It's a that's a big part of this story as well. We'll talk about Elvin. He's kind of the George Bailey. <laughs> yeah, you make yeah. great references to it, and like who doesn't know that show? I think I think those references work really well. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's a great shortcut to. To um, to the idea of, of somebody that that kind of gets and boy, I boy, don't I ever know people like this that that stay in your hometown and never really kind of make it out. And and in Alvin's case, I think in the show, happy at that, like satisfied, uh, no less valid than than his friend who goes off and and becomes famous. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, I that character's very George Bailey ish. Yeah. Talk about the subtlety of uh, uh, of Alvin. Uh, do you think his his love is a little different than uh, than Tom's? Is there 
Is there more of an attraction there that's kind of a subtext? That, that's a question that comes up often, um, and there are, there are different ways to explore it. I think in in different productions. I do. I we started off writing this for a man and a woman. We found that they kept falling in love, which which was not the story we wanted to tell. We really wanted to tell the story of a friendship. And then, strangely, in the long run, I think we've ended up with a love story anyway between these two men. Yeah, I do too. We think that that they are no matter what their feelings toward each other may be, they are ultimately soulmates. They're ultimately um, two halves of one whole. But I don't and think it's a sexual thing, do you? No, that's the thing. I mean, it, 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 I think that's one of the things that we thought was such an interesting interesting thing to go to, to mine, and that's the fact that I think they really are soulmates. They honestly wouldn't be the same people without the other two, but it's not a sexual relationship. And yet, how do you reconcile that if the person you're truly meant to be with is of the same sex, but you're not, it's not going to be a relationship? I think in the in the context of our show, we see Thomas have a relationship um, with his fiance that fails during the context of the show. And, and I think it's because he never really kind of committed to the fact that the, the one person that's really his soulmate is his best friend and and i believe that's possible and, and it doesn't have to be you know a, a gay thing or, or sexual thing i think it's possible for two men or two women to, to be soulmates i agree i think to put a label on it like anything like you just mentioned diminishes it because i think there's something very special about those kinds of relationships and i, and I, I think people can really um identify them in their own lives as well. And Tom, I think the most exciting thing is the fact that we're discussing this at all. We always love people to walk away from our shows asking questions, talking about it. And two people can see the same show and two people can have completely different opinions about the very thing we're talking about right now. Well, and let me add one more. Let me add uh, uh, one more and without giving it away too much um, about the death, Elvin's death. Ah, that, that's that's certainly going to come up for discussion. I don't want to say too much because it give away from the people coming well, yeah, to the, the show. But the, the two things you just brought up are the two very things that I think people walk away talking about. What what exactly happened to Alvin? How did he how did he die? Um, and I'll let people go see the show to find their own personal answer to it. Yeah, yeah, and and I I, I guarantee uh, next time I'm around with a bunch of the critics, you know, we never talk about a show when we're at a show or right after but once the reviews are all up then it's fair game and <laughs> and i'm gonna I, w- I would love to hear what what some of my colleagues uh think about both of those those scenes you know because I, I have my view of it yeah but, but i think it was beautiful that you didn't you know you don't have to lay everything out for people I, i'm glad to hear you say it tom because i think we feel the same way like i love to leave the theater feeling like i had a an experience that I can interpret myself and 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 create my own version of what I think happened, as opposed to just being so cut and dried and everything laid out for you that that you just walk away with like forgetting about it as you leave. You know? And I think there there are other book writers who would hate this question, but I know that when I'm talking to someone after one of our shows and somebody says, "Well, why did that character do?" I personally like that question. Why so and so did something? Because I think I think it's like humans, like yeah. life. You yeah. don't know all the answers. Yeah, but yet you don't go away unsatisfied. You you leave the show satisfied. Good. And I think that makes a big difference. Because I've seen shows where they just leave so many loose ends. You go there and you, you're just aggravated. You're saying they just, you know, they aggravated me for two hours and they never solved anything. 
<laughs> yeah, we don't want anyone walking right confused or aggravated. That would be bad. Yeah, yeah. And, and you did not. You did not. Do right. Well, we're just about out of time here. Uh, a, a quick question. What advice would each of you give to young writers? I always ask this for people because I said we give a lot of theater people who, who listen to these podcasts, you know, about creating a show, working together. What would you guys, what advice uh, would you give? I guess my first advice would be just keep writing because everything that you write will be informed by what you learned on the project before or on the page before or you just have to keep going. I mean, we've had this project on the table for eight or nine years, as Neil pointed out. Um, but in the meantime, we've been working on many, many other things as this has been developing. And every time we go back to the story of my life, we're informed by what we learned on another project. And this, what we learned on the story of my life will inform the next project. So I would just say keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. Don't just do one thing. I agree with Brian. I think the, the, the biggest, it was actually something that was said to me early um, on, and that was, Always have several projects at different stages. I think it was Andrew Lippa that said this to me. Like always have different projects at different stages because one flame gets, uh, ember gets fanned and that project's going, um, and then you can concentrate on that, but then you need to have something else to, to come up and behind it. And, and you're, you're, you're never working on something all the time. It's the biggest advice to, uh, to writers, any writers of any. That sounds good. I, I agree with that. That makes sense. That, that way you don't have any block. You And one can stimulate the other in some way that you're not really sure why, but it works. Exactly. And when you're frustrated with one project, you can always go to the other one. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. This this is a, 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 a heart-wrenching show. It's, a, it's, it's very artful. It's smart and sophisticated on several levels. And, and I really enjoyed it, and I, I think it's going to have a good run. It's uh, the story of my life. It's at Victory Gardens Biograph Theater. It runs till one uh, early January, right? I think, I think January second. Yeah. yeah. So it'll, it, it, it's a nice holiday show because it's not overly Christmassy, although there's a couple references to it. But it's about the human spirit and about friendship on a great level. Congratulations, guys. Thank, Thank you, Tom. Tom. Thanks so much for the opportunity to talk about well, it. Well, no problem, guys. And folks, go see a play this week. Thanks for listening.